Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 182. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Are you going through menopause or perimenopause? It can be a struggle to find comfort in your body with night sweats, hot flashes, and so many other uncomfortable symptoms. Hormone Harmony is a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause created by Happy Mammoth. They are dedicated to making women's lives easier using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout women's lives. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CHAT at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code CHAT for 15% off today. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today's conversation is once again related to attachment. Today I'm talking with Dr. Marnie Feuerman. Marnie Feuerman is a licensed clinical social worker and a licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice in South Florida. She has a master's in social work and a doctorate in psychology, and she's a nationally recognized relationship and marriage expert with specialized training in couples therapy. Marnie has published both academically and professionally, and her recent book that just came out is called Ghosted and Breadcrumbed, Stop Falling for Unavailable Men and Get Smart About Healthy Relationships. So we are going to talk today about why some of us 
tend to be drawn to relationships with people who are unavailable in some way. And hint, hint, it all goes back to attachment. So let's dive right into my conversation with Dr. Marnie Feuerman. Therapy Chat Podcast wouldn't exist without the support of its listeners. If you'd like to become a member, please go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. By making a $1 per month donation, you can help Therapy Chat keep going over the long haul. Thank you for your support. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I am very excited to be talking with someone who has a brand new book out. My guest today is Dr. Marnie Feuerman. Marnie, thanks so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. Thank you, Laura. I'm really happy to be here. I'm so happy too. I'm excited to discuss your work. This topic is something that I see coming up for many people I work with in my practice. And so I'm eager for learning more about your perspective and for people to get to hear about this. But before we even start talking about that, let's just have you take a second to introduce yourself and tell our audience about you and your work. Sure. Yes. I am a therapist in private practice. I'm in the South Florida area. Uh, my background is um, actually social work and clinical psychology. Whoop, whoop. I, <laughs> so I have an MSW and a PsyD, uh, which I got at very different times in my life, but I went back to school later because I really love learning and um, I love the field. I'm very passionate about it. And I work a lot, quite a bit with couples. And so that's one of my specialties. And another thing that I do as well is I, is a lot of writing, a lot of freelance writing. And so I was writing a lot of content for uh, different websites, also on similar topics, couples, divorce, dating, love, uh, that whole, that, that all of those, those different types of things that affect people and relationships and, and their search for love. And, and so from that, I figured at some point I have to write a book. And so I finally did that. And I wrote this book particularly for, it happens to be for women searching for love and, and those struggles and maybe struggles with unhealthy relationship patterns. However, I have a lot of content out there for, that could appeal for, to everybody, I, I would say, just depending on the phase of life you are in and uh, the status of your relationships. Wonderful. And of course, seeking love and understanding relationships seems to be like the biggest mystery of human nature. We're always wanting, it's like the two big questions, like what's the meaning of life and how do I find the love I want? Like, you know, everyone wants to know that. That is true. So, so your book, Ghosted and Breadcrumbed, is about people who are in relationships with someone who is unavailable in some way. Yeah. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about this book and kind of, you know, how you how it's broken down and stuff like that? Sure. Well, you know, I one of the one of the reasons I would say that I even got the idea for, for the book, which might be you know, helpful for, for people to know, is that I had written some blogs online and the ones that got a significant amount of attention were a, a, they were written for women who may have a um, they might be an affair partner. So they're with someone who is truly unavailable. They're with somebody else or they're struggling with men where they don't feel like they're loved 
back. So they're giving a lot of love, but they're not feeling anything in return. And then another one that was written for, for general, you know, for anybody was about emotional abuse. And that one was uh, viewed many, many, many times. And so, you know, part of me is happy that information is getting out there to help these people. But, but I was also saddened that, wow, these are the topics that people are really yearning for. Um, they're wanting information. Uh, and like you said, they're searching for love. They're struggling. They're not sure what's going on. They start to have self-doubt. They wonder, is it them? Is it me? What's going on here? Um, they just feel really stuck. And, you know, time is, is passing them by, too. And they start to feel worse and worse and worse because they, you know, we're wired to connect. We're born that way. We, we pair up quite, you know, frequently. We see, we see people pairing up all the time. And so people start to think, you know, what's going on here that I can't find that person? I can't find my match. However that looks, whether it means getting married or just living together or being in a committed long-term relationship, however that looks, it doesn't really matter. But just finding that person that you can really share life with. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just thinking about how, like, even for myself, before I met my husband, the way I thought about the people that I was in relationships with, it was probably more about me than them in a lot of ways. You know, the way I perceived what they did and what it meant about me or the way they communicated, but it's like what I was drawn to, not necessarily people who were, I don't mean that I was more drawn to people who were in relationships or married to someone else, but, you know, kind of the, the emotional availability thing, I can really resonate with that. And when I was thinking about like how I wanted my relationships to be, it's not like I could really think what was happening, you know, and understand like what the dynamic was. This is all before I was a therapist. So now maybe I could, but <laughs> as if like right, I have right. myself all figured out now that I'm a therapist. <laughs> you and me both. Yes. <laughs> and I made, and I had a lot of negative experiences myself that I didn't understand. So certainly in part this, the information that I impart in my writing whether it's the book or just my online articles, a lot of it comes from, I would say, that place that where I've, I've been stuck in that place too. And I've had those experiences. And I, and I learned because I had my own journey, my own therapy, I was, I was reading a lot of self-help books too. And so all those things really did help me figure this out and thank God, <laughs> make a better choice. And I'm married now too. And so it has... I had a happy ending and I, I really want other people to have the same happy ending as well. Yeah. So um, although, you know, even a long-term committed relationship that goes well is not all sunshine and roses, but, you know, healthy relationships are the goal. But can you explain for our audience like and me, why do some of us feel unconsciously drawn to partners who are not available, whether they're they're married or they're not emotionally available, or they have some kind of commitment, fears, what, what causes that? <laughs> well, we, we have, I think, good ideas of what causes that we may not know 100%. So we're really theorizing here. Yeah. And a lot of it does go back to the early family of origin. So the family you were born into, and how you were 
brought up and who brought you up, the impact of them. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it might be, uh, there might be intentional harm, but sometimes there's completely unintentional harm that's, that's done. Or you've just been subject to certain experiences that have impacted you, be that trauma or divorce or some type of abuse. So all of these things can impact your view of self, your view of others, your view of the world, and certainly, which I know we'll talk a little bit later, but probably about attachment and attachment styles. So those are the early patterns about the the relationship you have with a, you know, the very first model of a relationship would be between you and someone who takes care of you, usually a parent, and the quality of that that bond, the quality of how responsive they were to you. Also, part of what influences our pattern are these patterns later on in life are also about who helps you make sense of what's happening to you. And um, also emotionally, how is emotion treated? Is or is it treated as if there's um, a safe place for self-expression where feelings are also labeled for you so you understand hey, if something bad happens and I cry about it, it's normal. Or are you told certain certain feelings or behaviors are, are not normal or they're what we call disavowed? Like you should never, you know, especially we see this a lot with, I think we're trying to address this with men in mm-hmm. particular because they're socialized a certain way and that they should be strong and stoic and you know, keep, um, keep their emotions in check and, or, or it's weak if they express themselves. And now we're seeing the outcome of that. We're seeing that there's a lot of problems with that. And so a lot of these things influence us and they create these unconscious patterns and, or they create sort of a comfort level when we later on it's revisited, let's say in an adult romantic relationship. So a a kind of a, Maybe a superficial example that I can think of is if you have a parent that's that's an was a addict or alcoholic, mm-hmm. and you find yourself constantly in relationships with addicts and alcoholics. So it may not be that you are desiring this or want this. Uh, however, there's something about it that maybe feels like your normal or your comfort zone. You know this. You know this is what you grew up with, and so you, there's a pull in that direction. So you right away get into that role pretty easily. And so sometimes we end up just repeating these things over and over. Um, I've heard, you know, some people think it's an attempt to rewrite history or work it out in a better way or a different way. You know, okay, I couldn't uh, save dad, but I can save this guy that I have now. This is going to turn out a little different for for me. And so there's, there's lots of, I'd, I'd say, unconscious patterns at play or things that block us. Um, there's certainly things that influence our um, sense of self-worth and value. Uh, so if we don't value ourselves, if we don't think highly of ourselves, are we going to attract somebody who thinks that or, or are we even going to let it in? So we might even attract it, we might have people you know, coming towards us who want to be let in and love us. But if we say to ourselves, oh, what, what's wrong with you or something? Or I'm not used to this. Uh-huh. I'm not used to valuing me. Something must be wrong with you if you like me. Yes. Yes, exactly. 
So yeah, if you had if you had an abusive parent who always told you how awful you were and criticized you all the time, well, lo and behold, now I'm with a partner who's also doing that. Um, and so we really want to take a look at those things and get a like a, what I call a a coherent narrative or understanding of what's happened to us in our early lives so that we can begin to piece together what we might also be doing in our adult romantic relationships. And it's not to blame. It's not to say, you know, it's not to make you want to hate your parents or anything like that. Mm -mm. I don't want that to be misunderstood. It's just more about looking at cause effect and making sense of it and understanding it. So then you can hopefully have more self-awareness and set yourself free from, from these same patterns that keep playing out. Yeah, I was thinking that one of the hardest things is that people don't necessarily see the family of origin dynamics the way they really were or the way they may have impacted the person. You know, when it's like, well, what? My mom was a saint. I mean, yeah, my dad was an alcoholic, but, you know, my mom always, she made everything better for everyone. You know, it's like you can have kind of this like fantasy type of way of seeing the way it was, you know? Yes, it is hard for people to acknowledge at times and really digest that or that things weren't as great as they thought they were or that you're you're remembering it or your memories may be faulty. I think for some people it brings up a lot of shame mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, to acknowledge just what you're saying. So there I think there's good reasons to push it away and to not want to look at it. Yeah. So that part itself can be pretty hard, but do you think that the book can help people understand what dynamics were at play in their families of origin? Or you think that's more of a, I mean, I know it's something to work on in therapy, but is there a way in the book to help figure that out? Yeah, I do have a lot of information in the book about um, attachment, about boundaries, about communication, about emotion, and also how, you know, just, just how different things that may have happened to you impact you. So there's no maybe like perfect exact answer that might fit mm-hmm. you per se, but it, but it will bring these up in a way that you can try to, try to be more objective in looking at it where you can say, oh, I didn't realize that this is trauma. Like I thought of trauma as, um, you know, you have to be held at gunpoint mm-hmm. or, you know, or be in a big car accident or at war. I didn't realize that, that, you know, mom being at, you know, absent and checked out and, and, and dad having a bunch of affairs might be actually trauma to me, you know, so it's kind of piecing it together, uh, the impact of these different things that, that may have happened in your life. And, and sometimes, like I've said previously, they're not, they're not necessarily intentional, you know, I've heard stories where, um, like, let's say one parent is absent, but not because they're, they have an addiction or they're just checked out, but because maybe they got sick, maybe they got physically ill and, you know, life could have been going along just fine. And then boom, I was eight years old and mom got sick and eight months later she died or something. And, you know, wow, how, how is that? how does that impact your sense of safety in the world and, you know, trust, trusting other people and wanting to reach out and let them in. And so it's just about getting a little more analytical about ourselves and the impact of these things on our lives and how they might 
later on affect a relationship. Sometimes because of my work with couples, I, I feel like I've, I can, re- I sometimes re- feel like I reverse engineer things in this book. Like I take the things that have come up in these couple therapy sessions and I try to help people before they choose a partner um, because these things that I hear about, about frequent types of problems and issues that couples are bringing to therapy. And I also hear sometimes where people don't realize that something was impacting them until the partner brings it up. Like they'll say, you know, my husband says that he was, you know, that his mom would beat him with a belt. And he just says, well, that's what everyone did back in that day. That's the way all the parents were back in that day. You know, so they're not realizing or recognizing, huh, you know, maybe, maybe that did impact you. Maybe that gives you an overwhelming fear response when your partner brings up a a topic to discuss with you and you shut down or you avoid or you go away. You know, how are these things, how do these things sort of seep into our unconscious mind and then play out later on in a relationship? Yeah, that is such good food for thought there. I mean, just it's so intangible and it's so unconscious at times, but to really examine what really happened and how do I feel about it? You know? Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. So, so this book is really about people being in relationships with someone who's either in another relationship. So they will not be able to be fully available to the, the person who's reading, you know, in other words, if a, a woman is in a relationship with a married man, he is not, even though he may spend a lot of time with her, he's not available to her because he's already married to someone else. So how does that, how does that impact the relationship, like the relationship dynamic? Like what are the dynamics of those kinds of relationships? I mean, if somebody is, feels like they're, they're in a relationship with a, let's say someone that's married to someone else or mm-hmm. committed to somebody else. And, and they keep thinking, this is the person I'm supposed to be with. Uh, I've never had a love like this. There's, he's the most (laughs) romantic person I've ever found. And our sex life is amazing. It's like so much better than anything that anyone could ever have. Yes. You know, a lot of these women, they fall in love with this person, um, not knowing often. So the guy might be out there and women do it too for that matter. But, um, but the, but we'll just say for, you know, to make this easy, if the man is the person that's married and he puts himself out there as single and available, and then a, a woman comes along that falls in love with him or calls it love, we'll say, then, then she realizes that he's married. And then when he's put on the spot about it, he might say things like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be divorcing my wife soon. I'm just waiting for the last child to leave the house. Or um, she just doesn't understand me. Or, um, you know, we have this agreement. Uh, we just do our own thing. And, you know, she's fine with it. And, you know, they, they can feed a lot of lines to keep the relationship going. But also for the, for the woman, because the chemistry, like you said, the chemistry is really strong. The sex could be amazing. The woman is also only seeing his best side, 
You know, he's not, she's not having to pick his underwear up off the floor for the 15th time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, I think a good analogy is thinking of it at like when you go on a vacation to an exotic island versus home. And so the affair situation is like this exotic island. It is a lot of fantasy and it could really fuel that chemistry that, or that people will label as love. And they think there's no way that we can't work out or this person really isn't my soulmate because it feels so good. We have so much, we have, um, we just, we just click so, so well when we're together. However, it really is a fantasy situation that often ends up not working out or, or the, the man, let's say eventually said, you know, dumps that woman or says, I'm, I, you know, I'm not getting divorced after all. Or there was a, there was a situation I even heard about where, where the, the man got divorced, but also dumped the affair partner too, after again, stringing her along completely. She was thinking Uh, that he was going to leave his wife and be with her. Yes. Right. Yes. After a couple of years and the last kid leaving and all those things, you know, I think he was just making his marriage maybe tolerable with her, but that's, but she's not who he wanted to really be with. And so sometimes people got to realize they're starting out in a situation where they're cheating. So these aren't the most trustworthy people to begin with. So often they're, they're feeding a lot of lies to the affair partner to just keep it going and keep it going. And these relationships become so hard for women to leave and to, and to get out of. It's really, it's, I mean, imagine, you know, when, when even when you want to break up with somebody who you really care about and they're, they're available to you, but you just, you just don't feel like they're a match. Even those relationships are hard to get out of. It's hard to break up with people. But here we are telling a woman, you know, you should break up with this man, yet you feel like you're in love and that it's going to work out one day. So these are really hard relationships for them to get out of. And in fact, that's what I got um, my article about walking away from an affair uh, got me, I would say, the most email of anything I put out there online. And these women sounded so desperate in their emails. They were really, really suffering and they were looking for help. So yeah, this is a very, very tough situation for women. And for men, I'm sure if it's the other way around, the man is with a married woman, I'm sure they're feeling the same, the same kind of thing. It's really tough to get out of these situations. Yeah. And, and any, I, I assume any gender or sexual identity presentation, just it's the romantic aspect of it that makes it so difficult. Yeah. So, and I want to be sure since you've mentioned some of these blog articles, I would love to link to the articles for people to be able to easily reference them. So I'll ask you to give me those links if you, if you will, and we'll put that in with the show notes. Sure. Therapists, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used Therapy Notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful 
demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is the EMDR therapy training brainchild of Dr. Jamie Marich, a clinician and author who's on a mission to confront stigma around mental health, trauma, and dissociation. The Institute, informed by Jamie's work, teaches a somatic, expressive, bottom-up approach to EMDR therapy that does not treat dissociation like a dirty word. ICM empowers their students to navigate dissociation as a normal response to trauma and stress when it shows up. Dr. Jamie Marich is out and proud on various levels about her own recovery and is a strong believer in the healing capacities of EMDR therapy and helping our clients to heal from the impact of trauma. I and two of my team members have been trained by the Institute for Creative Mindfulness directly with Jamie, and I was impressed with how dissociation really was treated as just a normal aspect of trauma therapy work, which it is. Both Jamie and the consultants were matter of fact about if and when dissociation arises, it's okay, it's normal, and here's how you can help the client in that situation. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is offering a coupon code to save 15% off any program offered by ICM. This includes their EMDR therapy basic training programs and a wide variety of their home study, advanced topics, and other CE offerings. Go to instituteforcreativemindfulness.com and use promo code 15 for listeners. There's a link in the show notes. You can copy the promo code and use the link right there in the show notes to make it easy. know that small actions can make a big difference in our lives. I know for me, I can be in a terrible mood, go out somewhere and see a stranger, make eye contact and just smile at them and find suddenly I feel good. Whether it's practicing mindfulness a few minutes each day, movement practices, small actions can have big benefits, like how taking care of your gut can support whole body health. Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. Your body is an ecosystem and great health starts in the gut. Your gut is a central hub for various pathways through the body and a healthy gut microbiome means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, our immune systems, and more. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com living and use code 25living to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com living, code 25living. Yeah. So another thing I'm thinking about is it's a little different, though, but I'm thinking just of the dynamic of people who marry someone or get into a long term relationship with someone who's in another place or who has to, for example, I mean, this is a common situation like being a military spouse, how, you know, by nature, the person who you're with is going to have to go away all the time. And I don't know, I guess that might be a little different because it's like they have the excitement of coming back to each other all the time, but I don't know. It just seems like something about that dynamic, like what is it that makes it tolerable? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, those, those people are often, you know, super independent or, 
you know, there, I think there's probably a higher degree of people having affairs even in those situations because the longing doesn't change. I think our longing for love, affection, someone showing up for us, being present for us, I don't think that changes. And so I would say you would have to be the right kind of person, the right mindset to be able to be in that situation. And I would say this also would include people who are married to um, doctors, uh, pilots, you know, any kind of job where it takes the person away for a significant amount of time, or they maybe travel a lot. I don't know if there's been any studies done, but I, I even think that some of those jobs may attract people who maybe have more of an avoidant attachment style. That makes that sense really to me. Yeah. It fits for them. Yep. And especially. Because <laughs> if, if you are in, I mean, you're, you desire and crave, it would be intolerable, intolerable for you to be away so much. Exactly. And for the partner who can tolerate that, either maybe they had a family dynamic in childhood where it felt like that. So it seems okay. Yes, that could be possible too. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. I've I've wondered, that's an ageless question to me. I've wondered about that for so long because I grew up in a military community, even though my family wasn't military. And I just thought, how can because uh, there would be six month Navy deployments. And I would think, how can the spouse and the family tolerate the parent being gone all the time? Like, and I thought maybe I was just a little too dependent, but yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, it's a good question. (laughs) So why is it that when someone thinks, let's say someone's in a relationship with a, a partner who's married or in a committed relationship with someone else. And they, they talk all the time about how they're going to be together when the committed person leaves that other relationship. Why is it that that fantasy seldom turns out the way people think it will? I don't, yeah, I don't think the odds are really great of it working out. So let's say, and and I know there's exceptions to, to every rule, but I think you're, you're going to end up dealing with quite a bit. So let's say the person you are in the affair with does leave their spouse, leaves them for you. Now you're with them. Um, I mean, you're going to start seeing all sides, so not just the best side. And I think normal life kind of settles in. And so it's not so high octane necessarily anymore. But also, he he has a family too. He might have kids. He might have um, you know other people that are going to be shocked by this information. They may not be as accepting as you. So imagine a man with, let's say, young children, divorces mom, and now is with a new woman. Um, Those things don't usually go over so great. I think you're also going to end up dealing with a, a trust issue right away, even if people want to maybe minimize it or deny that that's going to be something. I think you're always going to realize in the back of your mind that hey, our relationship started because of because of cheating or infidelity or you know from a secretive situation and so i think that is those types of things are going to end up impacting the relationship and whether or not it's truly going to work out and i think there's maybe some rare circumstances where those do work out but I would say in a majority of them, they're, they're really, really challenging and they don't work out. I think the way people fantasize or think they're going to work out. Yeah. So partly there's just the like 
honeymoon's over kind of thing. And then there's also the reactions of other family and friends that put a lot of pressure on the relationship, even if maybe the original couple really wasn't a good match and they didn't, you know, them being together wasn't the best fit. But the fact that it was done in secret, you know, that the other relationship started before the first one ended, you know, people get upset about that. Right, right, exactly. You're going to, I mean, if you then are introduced into his life and everyone else in his life, so he might be accepting of this, but are his friends and family accepting of this? And how are they going to take it in? So you've got a lot of challenges there. Yeah. So what are your recommendations for women or anyone who's in a relationship with an unavailable partner to be able to transition into having healthy relationships where their partner is fully available to them? Well, I think understanding the early family of origin influences, of course. Um, And a big piece of that is also what we call attachment or attachment theory. Um, It gives way to attachment styles. And in psychology, attachment is defined as a, it's a deep and enduring emotional bond that connects us to other people. And it's not always reciprocal. If we think about children with their lovies, um, <laughs> the love doesn't necessarily give them any, meet any needs back, maybe just psychological needs. Um, but humans typically have that first bond as an infant, and it's usually the parent. And we know that the quality of that bond can really vary a lot, just depending on how responsiveness, depending on how responsive that caregiver is. And um, those early patterns develop around those, that attachment and the quality of it. And then we end up having these attachment styles and we know that there, you could be secure and that there's three insecure styles. And so those early attachment patterns, we didn't know this right away because this was studied in infants and their parents. And then later on, we realized that that attachment system gets reactivated in adult romantic relationships. And so it's important to learn about your attachment style. Uh, so that you can resolve, you can heal from these early influences if they weren't necessarily ideal. We know that there tends to be, so if you have an, more of an anxious style, because you're, the caregiver, let's say, was unava- unavailable or inconsistent, and so you would, you would up your efforts to get the attention of the caregiver, or on the other end of the spectrum, if we have somebody who's avoidant, they were because that caregiver was unavailable, they made a, they, they figured out how to just take care of themselves and how to shut down those needs. And we know that anxious people, anxious people with an anxious style and avoidant style can get into a pattern very quickly that um, I've heard terms an anxious avoidant trap even. Mm. Um, so the more the anxious person tries to get their needs met from the avoidant person, the more the avoidant person pulls away and the more the avoidant pulls away, the more, as you can imagine, the anxious person then ups the efforts even more. And these people get really, really stuck in, in an awful dynamic. So understanding if, if something like that is going on is important. Also understanding the science of love. One of the things I think is really important that I also emphasize to people, whether it's in my practice or, or in the book, 
they'll say they had three dates with somebody or the, the relationship's been going on just a couple months and they'll, they'll say, I'm in love. <laughs> they'll use the word love. Mm. And I'll say, hold on a minute. Let's label this correctly. It could be, we can call it love. We can call it lust. We can call it infatuation. There's another word that Gottman, jo- Dr. John Gottman, the marriage researcher uses called limerence, which I really like. Mm. And so early when we have that initial attraction and we have some chemistry, it, it's not love right in the, you know, right immediately. And it can turn into love, which is fantastic if it does, if it grows to that. But love, um, if you want to label it love, I would say you should feel safe. You should feel secure. You should feel that the person is responsive to you, that they're emotionally engaged, that you can be vulnerable, vulnerable with them and they show compassion for your vulnerability. They're taking care of, of you when you show those deeper sides to yourself. And so I would, I would caution people not to immediately label it love or say, this is my soulmate, you know, and to just know, yeah, you have a, you have a strong attraction, you know, which is nice, which is really, really nice. Um, and you have chemistry, which is nice too. And the relationship has potential, but you want to see where it goes. And if your values line up and, um, and you have uh, more of a healthy back and forth relationship and a healthy communication with each other and that you're not trying to change the person constantly. Um, and that if you have a problem or a concern, you're able to bring it to them and try to work it out and see if you can work it out. But I think if, if I have somebody who is constantly complaining about the person they're with and hoping they'll change, wishing they'll change, putting themselves into pretzel shapes to get them to change, doing all sorts of things, uh, there, there has to be a limit on that. Maybe not, that's not the right person for you. Maybe that's not the person that you should commit to if you're thinking about that and that's what you want, uh, because these things may not change if you're trying everything and the person isn't responding to that and they're not making those efforts to change. Uh, So I think people understanding themselves and also understanding about, about love and the science of love. Um, those things are an attachment, of course, are really, really helpful in having the best chance at a healthy, loving relationship. Oh, that's so helpful. And you really got me thinking when you started talking about the science of love, because I often, well, for one thing, in the Washington Post, they have this thing called Date Lab, where they people send in applications saying, this is the kind of person I want to be set up on a date with. And they describe, you know, the interests and all kinds of things. And they tell a lot about themselves. And the date lab people seem to match people up like so well. It's like, I want someone who's into science and has a professional job. And, you know, they'll give all these specifics and the the person will meet every single thing they said. And when they describe like what happened with the date, Nine Mm -hmm. times out of 10, the person, they'll be like, it was great, but there was just no chemistry and we haven't talked since, you know, and it's like, right, right. (laughs) That's a great question. You know, no matter how much good science we have uh, and research we have on the science of love, 
you can pair people up who, like what you're saying, look amazing on paper. Uh, and that's what I think a lot of these dating sites try to do, you know, compatibility and are the, you know, are they the right religion and background and blah, blah, blah. And things can really line up that way. But we don't have a lot of science, if any, on what makes two people attracted to each other and have that chemistry and what doesn't. So, um, so we do, we definitely look, those things are good. Um, so those are helpful. But yes, when the two people get together, if they don't have the, the physical attraction and the chemistry, the relationship isn't going to take off. <laughs> so, and part of it, you know, I, is um, the, that attraction is evolutionary, certainly, because it it helps it gets us to pair up and continue our the species going. So we do need that. But why, you know, if you have three people that all have, that that all look great on paper and would be a match for you on paper, why you would or would not be attracted to those three different people. So we don't, we don't really know a whole lot about that yet, but I think we have to be really discerning that just because we feel chemistry and attraction doesn't mean that that is the right, a good match for us or a good match for us long-term. Exactly. I I have a secret theory. Now, I don't know. There's no science in this, but my suspicion is sometimes if that spark that, you know, oh, I was just felt this attraction at first sight and I just was drawn to him. And yes, we, you know, it was passion. Or they were my soulmate. You know, it's like, I wonder how much that might relate to past traumatic experiences where the spark that they feel is really like the activation of their trauma, you know, like this feels like a dangerous person that I had in my life before. And some, cause it's like, well, I'm only drawn to the bad boys, you know, it's like, Hmm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's Why definitely is there only a spark be. with a bad boy? <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> <laughs> right. No, you're, you're absolutely right about, you know, about that piece that um, sometimes people, they, they definitely can get a lot out of that, that what we call like the intensity of it. And yeah. it can be very intense. And when we feel love intensely, it's like a high. Um, and so, yes, it could be based on past stuff and past trauma or unhealthy things that happened to us in the past. Um, and so, yes, we're going to, we're going to want to get a better understanding of that as well, because those don't create good dynamics either because you are um you constantly are trying to keep that intensity going but you're not necessarily being real authentic and vulnerable in the relationship because the relationship's just sort of thriving off of that that intensity right so like potentially like crisis and chaos even yeah yes yes it keeps people or drama as people say right right it can keep you at a distance, you know, keeps you at arm's length from, uh, from really connect deeply connecting with a person. Um, and so, yes, you're, you are going to want to figure that, that those types of things out. And I've heard the term, I don't, I don't know as much about, about this, but I've also heard the term trauma bonding, which I think Mm -hmm. is what they're referring to. Yeah. I mean, that's not exactly what I had in mind when I said it, but I think, Whatever trauma bonding really is, and I feel like it's a like a murky idea that, you know, some talk about and but I think it somehow relates to like the chemicals that get activated when our trauma gets activated, that 
if we're used to living in that state of trauma activation, it feels right. It feels like click. Yeah, this is it. You know, where it really means, oh, this is the unhealthy thing, you know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, Because again, if you are, I mean, we we get a lot of our definition of love based on how we were loved by a parent. And so we may, we may not have learned that correctly or properly, or it wasn't a healthy version, you know? Um, Yeah. So, so then we're carrying that out throughout our lives where we think, yes, that is, this is love. This must be love if somebody causes me pain or hurt, because that's what I experienced growing up. I was taught that, you know, well, my parents must love me, yet they also hurt me or something along those lines. So that can definitely be true. Yeah. Or possessiveness or jealousy or enmeshment or being overbearing, just whatever was, this is what love feels like. This is what love is. Absolutely. So I guess my last question about the science of love, it must be asked, is it possible when people meet and they look good on paper and they don't have a spark right away, is it possible that they could ever develop love over time as they get to know each other? I think it, I think it can happen. I would say it's probably more rare. I hear it Though when it does happen, I hear it happening more with women, though, Mm -hmm. (laughs) than men. And I think it's, you know, men may just, you know, they're more um, visual. Uh, So I think the maybe the importance of the physical attraction is just more built into their uh, whatever their evolutionary system here. That makes sense. But women, I think that can grow on them, even if it wasn't there initially, because I've heard, you know, women say that, well, you know, I wasn't that strongly attracted, you know, to him, but I realized what it, what a good guy he is. And he's, he is reliable. He is responsible. He makes a good living. He treats me well. And so loving kind. Yeah. So it goes. (laughs) Yeah. And they do develop some more chemistry and the attraction gets fueled a bit, but I, I hear it more from women than I hear, than I hear that from men. <laughs> men will usually say, no, if it's not there, like initially, like right away, it's like, they're not going to open the, themselves up necessarily to even seeing if that could happen or they'll, you know, they'll friend zone somebody right away. <laughs> um, they're just not going to, their minds, I don't think just, just go there as easily or readily as a woman's mind would. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can see what you're saying there. I've definitely heard that before that men are more visual and more, you know, that's what drives their attraction. So yeah, that makes sense. Well, this has been a very interesting conversation and I am very grateful that you agreed to be my guest on Therapy Chat. Thank you. It's been really nice chatting with you about this topic. I I love talking about it. So Marnie, tell uh, people where they can find you and your book. And I do hope to post those links to the blog posts we talked about, but I'm sure I want them to be able to find all of your posts. Sure. My website for for my for me and my book and there's a blog on there as well. It's drmarnieonline.com. That's D-R-M-A-R-N-I-O-N-L-I-N-E dot com. And the book can be found pretty much everywhere. Certainly Amazon, but it's in all the bookstores and it's also available Kindle and audio. 
the blog that's on that website, I have, um, I posted all the articles we discussed that I referenced as we were talking are also available in, on the blog portion of that website. So you can find them all there. Awesome. Yeah. So I've got them other places, but I'm able to also post them on the website, which is great. So they're all in one spot. Yay. So I think that um, many people will want to check out your book and, and these blog articles. I know it's a great way to just get like quick information when you're feeling like kind of stressed about your relationship. So thank you so much for, again, for being my guest. Sure. You're welcome. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Dr. Marnie Feuerman. I found our discussion to be thought provoking and I wonder what you think. Feel free to reach out to me using the speak pipe button on my website, therapychatpodcast.com. I love hearing from you. As always, I appreciate your support and talk to you soon. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Just another reminder that if you'd like to become a member of Therapy Chat, supporting the podcast while receiving fun member perks and being able to communicate with me one-on-one, go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. If every subscriber donated just $1 per month, Therapy Chat would be able to keep going strong indefinitely. Thanks so much for your support. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.